Hey, I'm Steve Gabriel, and I'm thrilled that we have this time together. I pray that God would help you to understand how great He is and how great His plan is for your life. Come on, let's enjoy God together. Today, we're going to actually close the series that we began a few weeks back called The Gap. The Gap. All of us have them. All of us have been identifying different ones. We've looked at gaps that actually have been in our lives maybe for too long without us even recognizing that they were there or dealing with them. And I pray that over these last few weeks, you've decided to go on a journey to deal with some of those. We looked at gaps that have caused division in our life and discord in our life. Gaps like unforgiveness. We looked at the gap of racial prejudice. We looked at gaps like weariness and gaps like a lack of awareness and the gap of unfairness. And all of those things need us to have a conversation, but more than that, a commitment to bring the change right. that is necessary. And that's why in ending the series today, we want to look at this gap. Because actually, if we don't identify this, then all of the work that we have done will be undone weeks and months from now. And we want to talk about the gap of indifference. The definition of indifference is this, it's the lack of interest, a lack of concern, a lack of care, sympathy and empathy. When indifference sets in in our life, it means we begin to care less. We begin to have an apathy about the things around us and that leads to us being unresponsive. And the truth is, church, that all of these gaps that we have considered and identified and looked at, whether we have closed them fully or we feel we brought them closer than they were before we began, those gaps are all susceptible to being reopened if indifference is allowed to enter our hearts. It's the indifference that we allow into our lives that begins to reopen the gap of unforgiveness, reopen the gap of prejudice. When we begin to say, I don't care as much now because life's got busy again, then indifference begins to set up in our hearts and in our souls. It reminds me of a, a verse in Proverbs that I've always actually really drawn a lot of, of wisdom from. It's a picture that I think is a picture that God needs us to have kind of put on our hearts, tattooed on our hearts to remind us of how indifference works. And in Proverbs 24, verse 30, it says this, I went past the field of a sluggard, the, past the vineyard of someone who had no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere and the ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. And I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw, a little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. It's painting a picture of what we all have been entrusted with. We've all been entrusted with a field, with the vineyard that God has given us. That field represents potential. It represents a place where we can bring forth resource right. for ourselves and for others. It represents a place of productivity, a place of revenue, a place of actually growing something awesome. And yet we find in that place of potential weeds, thorns and thistles. Why? Because of just a little bit of indifference. See, it doesn't take a lot of indifference to begin to allow things to grow in your life yeah. that maybe you don't want growing in your life. Being neutral does not mean it's neutral. Being neutral is actually the password for 
apathy to begin to set into our lives and relationships. It's just turning your head away from the comment. It's just putting your hands in your pockets when you could actually use your hands to make a difference. And we just know that if we don't address the gap of indifference, then we will never make a difference. Why don't we allow this indifference to come to an end in our lives? Why don't we draw a line and say no more? I think oftentimes we become indifferent because it's overwhelming. Life can be overwhelming. There's just so many things in front of us and to do, or we can feel overstimulated. We scroll through social media, we read so many posts and we think, wow, I can't do anything. There's just too many things to have to respond to. Or if we're honest, we become self-absorbed and our ego and our self-importance means that we don't leave the room to actually make a difference in any other area of our lives. There's a quote I want to read to you. It's actually by an incredible man that actually passed away and he's actually called Eliezer Weasel. And this man was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. He was a survivor of the Holocaust. He was an activist for human rights. He spoke out about race. He spoke out about indifference. And this is what he said. The opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. The opposite of art is not ugliness. It's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy. It's indifference. And the opposite of life is not death. It's indifference. Because of indifference, one dies before one actually dies. Mm. To be in the window and watch people being sent to concentration camps or be in the window and watch people be attacked in the street and do nothing, that is being dead. What powerful words from a man that knew the cost of indifference and gave his life to say, I will not allow indifference in the field of my heart. I am here Mm. to make a difference for the sake Mm. of others. That's why in Isaiah 61, the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God is on us to make a difference. It says the Spirit of God is on you. He's anointed you to preach good news to the poor, to heal Mm. the brokenhearted, to announce freedom to the captives. It says he's he's brought that anointing on you so that you can rebuild the old ruins, so that you can raise a new city out of the wreckage, so that you can start over again in the ruined places. That's the anointing on our lives, church. That doesn't sound like indifference to me. That sounds like making a difference. So today we want to help you make sure that you keep those gaps closed in your life by dealing with that indifference that seeks to reopen them again. That's good. That's really (laughs) good. Okay. And now I want to look at a man who chose to overwhelm indifference and made an incredible difference. He was known as the man of the double portion, the man who took double the amount of ground and led an incredible advance beyond any previous generation. I'm talking about Elisha. Elisha, from his earliest times that we see him in scripture, where he was being faithful, plowing a field, met the older man, Elijah. So we got Elijah and we got Elisha. And I'm gonna pick this story up, but first I wanna say that if we wanna be people who go further, if we wanna be a church that advances into realms where the last previous generations have not been able to go, it's gonna require us to battle this indifference. It's gonna require us to deal with this. And that's why I'm looking at Elijah because he handled this so well. We cannot be indifferent in this season or allow our hearts to grow cold or numb or just become unaware of the circumstances around us. So here we find 
Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. He's busy. He's busy plowing a field. He's got 12 yokes of oxen. It's probably a hot day, and he's got a lot of work on. And then in the middle of his day, it wasn't on his daily agenda. It wasn't on his to-do list. In walks Elijah, just literally walking right on by him. It was inconvenient for Elisha to be interrupted in his day of work. But here's what I want to say. I want to say if we're going to close the gap of indifference, let's take a lesson from Elisha's life because what he did was he overcame inconvenience. He overcame the inconvenience. That's what Elisha did. It was really a hallmark from that first moment because immediately he ran after Elijah. He was like, wait for me, wait for me. He ran after him because he sensed something in God that he was about to do with this older man of God that was to do with his destiny, that was to, to do with his future. He didn't understand it all yet. He just simply knew he needed to deal with the inconvenience. So he immediately burned his plow. He took his oxen, slaughtered them, went and had a big meal with his family, said goodbye to everybody. And from that moment, followed Elijah. So here we find now the story where Elijah is about to be taken up into heaven and Elisha is going to be left behind on the earth. And so Elijah says to him in 2 Kings 2 verse 1, he says, stay here, Elisha. God has sent me to run an errand to Bethel. Sounds like work to me. And so really, really he was saying to his, his younger generation, to Elisha, hey, stay here, rest for a little while, you know, just chill a little bit. But Elisha's response was not, I can't be bothered. Okay, fine, you just get on with it. I'll, I'll run a little bit later, I'll catch up to you. No, far from it. Elisha's response was this, not on your life, Elijah. I am not letting you out of my sight. Does that sound like inconvenience to you? No, it sounds like a man who was gonna do whatever it took to follow Elijah. And so they both went to Bethel. You know, that overcoming that we see right there, that, that sense of him dealing with the sense of inconvenience from that moment shows us that we're gonna have to make a choice. Elijah had made a choice to follow God to that next location. But now Elisha had to make the choice. Either he was going to stay put, sit down and relax, or choose an inconvenience. What about you? Do you choose inconvenience? Because if I'm honest, I don't like inconvenience. I like my plan. I like my daily agenda. But I wonder how many opportunities that we miss or are indifferent to because we don't know, don't know how to handle these inconveniences. And so here's what Elisha did. Elijah suffered the temporary inconvenience that which led him to make a lifetime of difference making. And if we don't understand that, that we're going we're gonna to miss those opportunities. So let's not settle for comfortable. Let's not stay in that place. Let's not be put off by the inconvenience. We've got to learn how to push past them. And that's what Elisha did. He pushed past the inconvenience, accompanied Elijah. They got to the location. And then here comes the next sort of put off. And I've learned in life that, that inconvenience are going to come on our life and we have to handle them. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 says this, that those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. When it comes to planting seeds in the natural, I'm a fair weather gardener. I've got to admit it. I wait for the good day to plant. But in the spiritual, we cannot wait for perfect conditions. We cannot wait for everything to be all lined up before we take those steps. We have to learn how to give even when we don't feel like we have much 
to give. We've got to push past those inconveniences. You know, my mom used to say to me, Steve, one day my ship is going to come into the dock and, and we're going to have a great harvest. Well, about a decade later, mom was saying, I think my ship must have sunk or got stuck out in the harbor. And she joked with me about it. And I thought to myself, why are we waiting for something to come in? Why don't we push past the inconvenience and go for a swim? Find out what happened to our boat. Where is it? And as I think about that, I want to now talk about how we can move to our second point I wanted to look at from Elijah's life. After we deal with the inconvenience, we have to learn how to close the gap of indifference by overwhelming interference. You see, after Elijah accompanied Elijah and they got to the right location, a, a group of a guild of prophets came to him and they said, hey, Elisha, do you know that your master is going to be taken away from you this day? And Elijah said, yes, I know, but be quiet. He literally said, hush, shush, be quiet. And in just a few words, he overwhelmed the interference by quieting it down. Maybe those prophets wanted to talk about the future. Maybe they wanted to pontificate or think about, you know, what's going to happen? Elijah's going to go. Who's going to take charge? Who's going to help the nation? Who's going to fill the gap? Who's going to step into that place now? Certainly, we're not prepared for it. But rather than enter into that conversation, Elisha, in his wisdom, just simply quieted it down. He didn't fill his mind with the static or the white noise of lots of conversation. And it's that interference, because literally interference literally blocks our signal. It's a bit like a cell phone that begins to lose its signal. Or have you ever been on a phone call and suddenly you lose the connection? You can't hear on the other end because the conversation has become clouded with whatever that interference is. Well, what do you do? You just keep moving forward. And that's what Elijah did. He just kept moving forward. And immediately when he decided, I'm going to move forward, Okay, here comes the process again. Elijah comes back and he says, okay, now we're going not only to this location, now we're going to the next location. And they went to Jericho. Same thing. He says, stay here. Elijah says, not on your life. I'm not letting you out of my sight. And we've got to keep overcoming that sense of inconvenience and the interference because it happens again. Up comes another group of prophets and tries to interfere. What does he do? He says, be quiet shush and he shushes it again it happens again for the third time Elijah comes stay here sit down rest a while again he has to push past the inconvenience and they find themselves on the bank of the Jordan River and at that point rather than stop he presses through to the other side past the interference yet again and it's only then on the other side as he leaves behind the other prophets on the opposite bank when he gets to the new bank only then does he get asked this bold question by his mentor. And the mentor says, what do you want from me, Elijah? There's the bold ask. Now, Elijah could have asked that question on a walk at a previous location, but he didn't. He waited for the right moment, pushing past interference, pushing back inconvenience will prepare you for that double anointing, that, that new ground that you want to take. And that's what Elijah's life represents. You know, there's lots of things I could look like in Scripture. Jesus had to push back all this interference too. The people of Nazareth, they didn't understand. They didn't understand that, that Jesus had so much in him. You know, pro, um, Matthew 13, 58 says that a prophet is taken for granted in his hometown. 
And Jesus couldn't do many miracles because of their hostile indifference. You know, so something about inconvenience and there's something about interference that is not neutral. And they just thought, oh, Jesus, he's just the carpenter's son. That was the kind of talk of the town. And it robbed them of the miracles. You know, and so I look at Elisha's life and I see if we want to have that miracle happen in our life, that new ground that we want to take, we have to position our life to push past all these obstacles. And you know, that's so true in this journey that we've been on church. You know, some of us have really taken huge steps. Um, maybe it's because of lockdown that you've been able to remove some of those inconveniences and actually tackle them head on. Maybe it's because you've had more time than usual to identify some areas where you want to grow and you want to see things develop. Maybe because of the lockdown and because of the environment, there's been less interference, right? You're not seeing the person that always interferes. You're not over at that house where they always have the negative to your positive. You're not around the people who always calm you down. And so something inside you in this season, like we've just read of Elisha's life, has got fired up. Mm. You've got past some of those obstacles. You've got past some of those put-offs. You've got past, and now you're like, okay, let's go, let's go. And maybe you feel like you've got crossed the water like he did, and you're having that moment for a bold ask. You know, when Elijah said to him, what do you want? Mm. He says, I want a double anointing. I want to go further. I want to take more ground. Yeah. I want to advance. And, and Elijah in response says, wow, you've asked a hard thing. Mm. You've asked something big here, but you know what? I'm not going to get in the way. If you see me when God takes me, it's all on you. And there was something about that journey that got him ready to ask big. Maybe there's something in this journey that has been a wrestle in your heart. You've wrestled some stuff to do with prejudice. You've wrestled some stuff to do with an indifference in you when it came to a forgiveness area. You've wrestled some giant when it came to some things in your life that you've just become weary about and even given up on. And that wrestle has caused you to begin to ask bolder, mm, ask bigger. Yeah. You're like, God, I want to leave this season and take more ground. I want to make a difference. You know, there's a generation coming through mm. behind us, church, yep. that are not going to wait for permission. They're asking now for change. They're asking now for things to be turned upside down. They're asking now for it to be taken of new ground. Right. They don't want to settle with the indifference of a past generation. Yeah. They don't want to settle right. with, well, it's always been that way. That's not the heart of that generation. So we, as those that are together in this community of faith, all have to be on the same page. But that means that you've got to get ready for what came next. Because after coming over inconvenience and after overcoming the interference, he got that double anointing. And when he has the double anointing, guess what? He has to go back. And after lockdown and you working on some of these areas, you have to go back. You have to go back into the workplace. You have to go back into some of those relationships. You have to go back to the house where they always tell you to calm down. Right, right. You have to get back in those conversations. Yeah. That life awaits us. But he did not go back the same. He went back with a double anointing. He went back with a power that he had not had in his life before. But there was one other thing that he had to deal with if he was going to make sure indifference didn't re-enter his heart. Indifference didn't hijack his future. And it's the same thing he you and I have to deal with, and that is the inconsistencies That's of people. Good. There are inconsistencies you're going to have to deal with in people around you, in the life that you re-enter, that actually could make you feel like you're making no progress because the people that maybe said, yay, I'm for you, I'm cheering you on, do that. 
while we were in lockdown, when maybe you see them in real life, they're going to say, well, I didn't really mean it. I didn't really want you to get so carried away. I didn't really want you to right. become this person that has a cause. Yeah. Maybe you're going to find some of the people that you thought were on side with you, that actually were closing the gap alongside you, are a little inconsistent at the other side. That's exactly what happened to Elisha. Watch this. He gets the cloak. He picks up the, Elisha picks up the cloak, verse 13 that's fallen. He took the cloak. Now he's got the anointing on him. And with that same cloak is now back at the side of the riverbank where the prophets that told him not to go, not to follow, yeah. not to do it are at the other side. And he takes that cloak and he strikes the same water that Elijah struck. And he says, where now is the God of Elijah? He asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left. So they're seeing this and they begin to say the same company of prophets that told him not to go, they begin to say the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha and they run to him and they meet him and they bow to the ground and they say look we are your servants and um, here there's 50 able men so they're saying all the right things they're saying wow we now see it we're with you but watch this next sentence and then they say but maybe we could go and look for the master Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down somewhere in the mountain or valley. And Elisha's like, oh, no, don't go. He's not there. He's right. gone. And they right. persisted until he was so embarrassed to refuse them. So he said, fine, go. So they go. And sure enough, they're gone for several days and eventually return to Elisha and say, um, we could not find him. And he said, didn't I tell you so? There's a picture of what can happen. We can re-enter our life knowing mm. that God has anointed us, knowing that we've seen something, knowing we've closed some gaps. We get to the bank where our friends are, where those that we do life with are, and they can see that we've right. changed. Yep. But then after saying we see the change, can say, well, we're just going to go back and look for the old way of doing things. We're just going to search for the old conveniences that we like to be. We're just going to look for what we're familiar with. Yeah. And all the while inside your heart, you can either allow that to make you think, well, what was the point? Or you can allow that to say, you know what? The inconsistencies, inconsistencies around me mm. do not determine the indifference within me. That's good. I am not going to allow others' inconsistency to stop me from making the difference that I am destined to make. And so church, we want you to know today that God has called you to make a difference. He has called you to not just close the gap here, but close the gap in the world around you. Do not allow the interference of others to begin to make you question the call of God on the inside of you. You know, in Galatians, Paul goes to the Galatian church and he has been with them and taught them all these principles of freedom, that they don't have to be legalistic, that they don't have to live their life in this law abiding yeah. way, but God has set them free from all that stuff. But he revisits them and you can read it in Galatians 5 and Galatians 4 and they've gone back to their old ways. And he says, what's, what's going on? Galatians 5, he says, who cut in on you? You were running a great race. Yeah. What happened to you? Now you you're not consistent anymore. Indifference has re-entered their heart. He tells them it's good to be zealous, but you have to be zealous the whole time. Yeah. And church, we don't want to be zealous in a moment because it was popular to close the gap, because we were zealous for a cause, Absolutely. because other people told us we should be. Right. But we want a change of heart, a right. revelation right. on yeah. the inside that starts a revolution yeah. on the outside. Yeah. And that's what happened. Elisha went on to have a double anointing. He did more miracles. He saw 
saw more breakthroughs. He took more ground. He advanced more than Elijah ever had. Why? Because he did not allow indifference to enter his heart. Mm. So as we close this series, we want you to make a commitment today. Make a commitment to say, I'm not going to allow the gap of indifference stop me from making a difference. Don't allow this season to be wasted by just closing the gap now, but letting it reopen later. Let's together make a commitment to actually say, no, from here on out, we go and take more land. We take more ground because we're going to keep those gaps closed and we're going to close some more. Hey, thank you so much for watching. We pray to God that you've been impacted by how great God's Word is, by how great God's plan is for your life. But I do want to say, if you need prayer for anything, then drop us a line, drop us an email. We would love to hear from you so that we can pray for you and just continue on this journey of building life together. Have a great week, month, year ahead.